This episode is brought to by despair of meeting new people. We just went to a networking thing, work first time meeting, and it was very like uncomfortable because I didn't want to hear your life story. <laughs> it's not where you gossip with your friends. It's not. This is not a place where you tell your life story, and was so uninteresting. Yep. <laughs> So, okay, we're gonna talk about. Uh, there's an interesting phenomenon. I don't know what to call it. There's not like a name for this. Usually there's a name for what we talk about, like Stanley Kubrick. We're gonna talk about Stanley Kubrick. What do you call this thing that we're gonna talk about? I would say a little bit more artist struggles. Mm. So, especially with YouTube, there's the illusion that the world is our oyster. We can put anything we want on YouTube and it can spread virally. But in reality, most YouTube content is the same. And basically, we're talking about why that is. Yeah. I think. Because I'm seeing the same thing over and over again, I stop watching YouTube sometimes. That is absolutely true. Like I get fed up. I feel like there's nothing I want because I feel like I watch. It's all the same. Yeah, all the same. And a lot of people are like, I know what they're gonna do, or I know what the person is gonna do. Like draw my life had a moment. Those kind of things. The ice bucket challenge had a moment. Or these oh, challenges yeah. pop up. The cinnamon yeah. challenge. Like you know yeah. the the girlfriend tag. Like a lot of these things sort of pop up. Partially we see it because it's like a good idea, right? There's a percentage of get ready with me videos that you see just because the concept really works and it's interesting to people and people enjoy these videos. But there's also a percentage of this which is that it's a trending concept. We're not sure what the percentage breakdown is. So people will like actually do things that's trending right now and make the same thing or on the same line of uh, on video. Will get more views because that's trending and it's like it will show more trending stuff. Right, but the algorithm also rewards things that are similar. It catches trends. It's built to catch trends. That's why there's a trending tab about how fast a video spreads. And sometimes it's not an individual video that spreads. It's a general YouTube concept that spreads. And so one of the most powerful tools within YouTube as a platform is the recommended videos on the right. So you're yeah. watching a video, and then it gives you a list of thumbnails and video titles on the right, and they are not necessarily from people you subscribe to. They're people that the algorithm has decided this video is similar to this video, and because you are watching this video. And you clicked on it. You might also want to click on this other yeah. video because of the algorithm. It's more likely you'll be on a popular or next to a popular video. Right. You're being because you're treated the same. Yes. BuzzFeed has seven million or thirteen million collective followers. So if I'm shown next to one of their videos, then I'm have a chance of reaching a much wider audience than I would if I just did a different video. Okay. So the thing is, the reason that all these algorithms are important and the reason that this discussion is important is because there's so much stuff to watch out there that you don't even realize who is making the decision of what you actually get shown. YouTube doesn't publish what's in its algorithm. What happens is people look at what the most popular YouTubers do and see, oh, prank videos are a really big thing right now. I should start a prank channel. Or they see the cinnamon challenge is really hot right now. I should do the cinnamon challenge. It's like you see proven content in the algorithm. This has worked in the algorithm. Let me also do this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it works. And if it works, it means that everybody's now just kind of making the same, the video, same video. How many times do I have to see a cinnamon challenge? How many times do I have to see a uh, American guy trying Korean snacks? How many, <laughs> how many times do I have to see some nationality guy reacting to some kind of snack? Why so, I quit BuzzFeed? Yeah, like something <laughs> like that. There are, I know it in fact. There are different types of genres and there's different types of videos, but it's really hard to find because how how can I search for something that I don't even know I you know exists? But because the only thing recommend me 
similar things. Mm. They would not recommend me totally something different, but I would like. So it's like algorithm is not perfect. Right. Algorithms are definitely imperfect because for starters, there's no way to objectively quantify quality with math. You can't look at a video and distill it down to this is quality. So the only thing YouTube has to go on, basically the metadata that you manually enter. It has the title, the description, the tags, the stuff that you tell it your video is about, which may or may not be true. And it has the viewer's reaction. Mm -hmm. And if you watched a lot of it, and if you liked it, and if you subscribed, and if you commented, those are the only way that YouTube can really tell when a video is quality. And it's not just a YouTube problem. Other platforms have the same issue. It's like a culture of affinity where YouTube and Facebook and all of these platforms want me to spend so much more time on their platforms that they just keep serving me similar content that it knows I'm going to like. But then if you keep getting shown similar stuff, even though it works, I'm never going to find anything new. Mm -hmm. And exactly what Susie said, how do I know what to search for? It's like, oh, find me what I like, but how do you know? You know, it's not the algorithms and the AI is not advanced enough to really know what my taste is yet. Right. It can't actually determine what your taste really is. All it has to go on is what other people liked. And then show popular things, which is sometimes really not what I like. The platform itself is guiding you to make a certain type of content. The things that are successful, it's saying, make this kind of stuff, do it this way. And it's very risk averse. If you make something that other people didn't like, your next video gets shown to even less people. Yeah. So there's no room for experimentation. So I've seen a lot of people pander to this kind of model where they kind of, okay, we know what's worked. We're going to kind of copy and do it the same thing. The platform is telling you to do one thing, but maybe you as an artist want to do another thing. And so it's actually a broader problem that isn't just about YouTube algorithms and how videos spread. It's also a larger problem about how art is being made in today's society, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I read this really great article in The Atlantic, I believe, that talked about how people were patrons of the art. Now we think of a patron of the art as somebody who like donates to the Met and like goes and sees the opera every year or has season ballet tickets. No, they literally sponsored Van Gogh for his entire life to just have painting be his job. Mm -hmm. Or well, he wasn't well known even, you know, he sure. wasn't, his art wasn't really recognized at the state when he was actually living. And he didn't, uh, Van Gogh's not a great model for like how to live your life. I'm not suggesting that he is, but that was an era when if you wanted to be an artist, you found a wealthy patron and all they did was support you in your art making. And mm -hmm. maybe your art got popular in your time and sold, and maybe it didn't. But I think I think that one of the great differences in the modern era is that artists and anybody who does a creative work also has to self-promote. They have to be a business person, most mm -hmm. of them. We don't have patrons like Van Gogh had that come and just pay for our lives mm -hmm. for us to make art. You have to have a commercial sense and you're dependent, especially in our field, you're dependent on the fans and the appreciators and the audience that is willing to actually purchase your work, mm. for example. If yeah. I make a painting and I want to make a living as a painter, I am dependent on people liking my paintings enough to actually purchase them. And mm -hmm. so there's an element of pandering to an audience that was not present when the economics of art and the making of art were much more separated. I think it's a very different world. So what actually makes money is photography exhibitions that True. Paul McCartney's um, wife really did. Of all the Beatles, like old, like from the start to finish, you know? I think the name can carry, the access you have, the experience you have, the expression you can have is a very different value. I think name can be valued. All this, like, because she was the wife of Paul McCartney. 3,000 screaming teenagers are at New York's Kennedy Airport to greet, you guessed it, the Beatles. 
because he's a person we can relate to. Relate to, and he's famous, and Beatles is a really big era, and it has all this, like, cultural moments to it. You have to have the pop pop cultural element. So that's what the exhibition sells, you know? And it has a value to it. And now we've entered, like, it's kind of different in our time now, where you can't just make whatever you want to make. You also have to make a living doing it. It's a little bit more... I have to use my tools of promotion. I have to build an audience. I have to, you know, care about what my fans think mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I make art. Mm-hmm. You can't just not care. You yeah. can't just not care anymore. Yeah, so I think, especially in art, I know it's uh, very hard for artists when they have to think about what will sell because you're definitely altering your actual vision to... To suit the tastes of... of yeah, mess mm. or suit the taste what's trending right now. Mm. Um, so it's really hard, I think. Do you think that art, especially film, has always been partially commercial, partially artistic? A lot of other mediums are also partially commercial, partially artistic. Do you think it would be better if they were more artistic or if they were all commercial? I mean, it's kind of interesting with film. We were talking to somebody who told us that in France... There's no entertainment films. Film is basically always considered art. Yeah. It's thought of very differently, whereas in America, movies are generally only thought of as entertainment and not thought of as art. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think it would be better? Well, let's see. It would be forgotten very easily right. if it's like it doesn't sell. And how many people... Yeah, yeah. It's like a simple question. How many people know any f- French film? But like, you know, like can maybe you, can one you name or two. more than 10? You, you and I could name more than 10 Hollywood films. That's what you're saying. We yeah. could name 10 Hollywood films easily. right now easily. And yeah. we, we would struggle to get to 10 French films. Exactly. So how much people consume and know about it. And that's when art or culture gets forgotten because nobody now mm. know about it and care about it. You're saying that there's a balance between how much reach I have as an artist, Mm -hmm. the impact that my work could have. You can, to some extent, if you adapt your art to suit mass tastes, you can have a much bigger and more lasting impact. And you stay remembered than you would if you had just tried to stay quote-unquote pure art. The commercialization and the finding a way to make what you do successful in a commercial way is also what allows your art to continue to affect people and to actually make a difference. Um, yeah, and I think no one can criticize anyone to be like, oh, you're a sellout, you know? Because sellout's such a harsh word to use, mm-hmm. man. You don't, I don't think people should be harsh on criticizing it because it's always a balance between how much I go commercial and how much I really um, stay true. And it's always, nobody is really good at it. Even like if you get commission or if we, we got a client to make videos, it's not always our pure vision. It always gets altered by the process process and also it always happens with people with sponsor videos or you know uh, it does i, I think it's money harsh. is a funny business money is a funny business no one gives you money and say oh make ever what you want nobody has ever given me money to just make whatever i want we find a way to make whatever we want mm-hmm. that's how we do it we're finding a way to make what we want but nobody's paying us to make what we want yeah exactly um if we find a way successful will let everybody know yeah so that other artists can do it because it's pretty awesome yeah that's the dream to get paid to do what you want but yeah. there's a line though isn't there if you adapt it all the way if we just like suddenly turned our channel to a reaction channel it, that would be too far right but i think that you see glimmers of hope with blockbuster movies sometimes there's an independent movie that nobody thought would do well that did really well there was something fresh and different that came along that became a phenomenon like yeah like the blair witch project mm-hmm. or 
what's another example? Little Miss Sunshine. Or, and, you know, YouTube was Casey Neistat originally. Or, mm. I don't know, is there another YouTube example? Every once in a while, there's somebody that comes along and does something new and fresh and better. And it becomes a phenomenon, and it gives us hope that there's still room for innovation. The YouTube game makes it look like it's all the same, but it's really not. Very there's, pretty yeah. deeply in there is some other cool stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of small YouTubes out there that's, like, really, really uh, awesome, I would say. Yeah, yeah really great. And still, I'm not saying the popular ones are bad. It's just like, yeah, they're popular ones, and they're still entertaining, but sometimes I want to see something different. Yeah, it's like when articles talk about PewDiePie as if he's the only YouTuber on the planet, just yeah, because he's yeah, the yeah. biggest. Like, of course, PewDiePie is not the only YouTuber. It's the same thing. Just because what you see is what's popular and what's trending doesn't mean that that's all that's happening. Exactly. There's a lot of... What are we So what could make us more successful? Mm. Share it, like it. Thumbs up? Thumbs up. Can we get to 500,000 likes? No, just kidding. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's, um, I, I think, don't know. Yeah, uh, it's a genuine struggle. I think I think it's a genuine um, things we are always thinking about. It is. Uh, we're, we're people who understand the platform, and it's always a struggle to know that maybe this type of video is going to be better for the platform, but maybe this type of video is going to be better for humans. <laughs> that puts us in a very weird position, because... We are not mainstream enough to make it in the short film world, and we're not YouTube enough to be a YouTube star. To be a YouTube star, so it puts us in a weird position of how do we make the kind of art that we want to make work, knowing how these platforms work, and that's the struggle, and it's always a balance. You can't separate the two. You just have to acknowledge. Yeah, I think most now a lot of creatives have to acknowledge the part of business is money is part of it. And you just not, it's, we're not in a world where we just can't make anything we want to make. And it's, va- it's not valuable if really nobody likes it, no? Yes. People are making things to be liked by other people, appreciated by other people, or moving the things forward. There has to be a value to it. We know the YouTube world a lot, but if you happen to be an artsy type person who's doing artsy type things in another field that isn't YouTube, we'd like to know if you've come across the same issue. Yeah. If you're just a consumer, do you feel the same way that we sometimes do about YouTube, which is like, eh, I'll just say. Exactly. So let us know. Um, it will mean a lot to if you write a review on this. Mm. That's the best way to let us know is in an iTunes review. Let's let's game the iTunes. Let's game the iTunes, iTunes algorithm. algorithm. Rate us. They'd be really helpful to Basically, begging for algorithm. <laughs> yeah, let us know. That's the only way we know if you like the show it's or not. It's true. If you don't tell us, we'll never know. Yeah, 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 yeah.